Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Every year for the last three years of our church, we've done this collection of talks called You Asked For It, where the questions that I preach on come from you. And this is one of our most asked questions. Week one of this series was, how do I hear from God? And, and then in week two, I preached on why do women, why are they allowed to teach and preach? And last week, Pastor Lee brought us a message called, what do I do when I feel like quitting? And today, probably the number two or number three, I forget, most asked question was, I love the way it was phrased, is who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do and why does it matter? And I'm, I am pumped to preach this message because some of you, man, you, you're nervous. You, you've heard some stuff and you came from churches where he wasn't called the Holy Spirit. He was called the, the Holy Ghost. And the, and the pastor, he, he had a towel as he talked and, and, and you were thankful to leave that church. And now, you, now you're like, man, are you going to go there, Pastor? I, I might. But let me read you the text and I'm going to show you from the scriptures what we should believe. Uh, Acts chapter 2, when you see on the screen, say Amen. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. We are a loud church. Suddenly, that's a preacher word. Suddenly a loud, a sound like a wind of violent, uh, let me start over. Suddenly a, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled. You've got to understand, I, I, I didn't grow up in church. I grew up in a Muslim home. I didn't even hear about who Jesus was until the age of 20. And when I heard about Christianity, I, the, the Christians that were trying to evangelize to me and share their faith with me, it was all in college when we were in the bars and clubs. And like, man, you, you're drinking like I'm drinking. You're partying like I'm partying. And then on Sunday morning when I'm exhausted, they're like, let's go to church. I'm like, let's sleep in. And then imagine I, from the age of 22 to 24, my sister is sharing her faith with me. I become a Christian at the age of 24, and now I'm reading my Bible every day, and I'm, I'm learning about this dude named the Holy Spirit. Imagine, I've never heard about Jesus for 20 years. Of course I never heard about the Holy Spirit. So I grab my Bible, and I, I go to my pastor. I'm like, dude, is this for today? Like, I, I was reading the, the Genesis about Abraham and Joseph and all these characters in the Old Testament and David, and then I read the New Testament. That our bodies are the temple of the living God. And I'm like, dude, is this for today, Pastor? Like, who is this Holy Spirit? Help me understand. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, don't pursue the Holy Spirit. Those people are weird. Just pray to Jesus, read your scripture, and you'll be fine. And I remember walking away from that conversation going, why would God tell me to pursue this person if he wanted me to avoid him. That, that's, some of you come from that background. You, you're, you're, you're from the experience of you avoid the Holy Spirit. Those are weird people, you know. You, you don't want to be that. And every time you hear about the Holy Spirit, you're like, no, no, I'm good with just Jesus. And I'll just pray and I'll, I'll just worship. I, I don't need that stuff in my life. And others of you, you, you come from a very Pentecostal background. You're the other extreme. At your church, you don't even talk about Jesus. You just talk about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always moves where he knocks people out. And we call it being slayed in the spirit. And your church that you came from, they have blankets prepared for people to fall over. Thank God we're not there. We're in the middle of these two extremes. Where we don't avoid the Holy Spirit and we don't just talk about just the Holy Spirit. 
That we, we believe in prophecy. We believe in tongues. We believe that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That we believe James chapter 5 says that when you're sick, call the elders and they'll lay hands on you. Why? Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That 2 Timothy says, let it, Timothy, fan the flame the gift that you received through the laying on of hands. There is power when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want to teach you and answer this question, who is the Holy Spirit. You gotta understand that there are so many fast food restaurants that we eat at, and most of them, if you notice, they have average food. It's the sauce that makes it great. Anyone been to La Victoria? Come on. Any spirit filled Christians that love Mexican food? La Victoria has average Mexican food. They have a special sauce that's filled with God's Spirit. It's amazing. Think about In and Out. In my opinion, average hamburgers. But the special sauce makes it special. Go to Chick-fil-A. They have a sauce that's not even on the menu. It's called the honey roasted barbecue sauce. It, it, it's, it makes the sandwiches even better. I'm telling you, this church has a special sauce. It, it's not Ethan's worship. It's not my preaching. that makes It's the Holy Spirit that makes this place special. I'm going to go to the scriptures, John chapter 14. It, 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 Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you this text so that you understand you hear from him. What is the context? Jesus is about to go to heaven. He came and lived a sinless and perfect life. For those of you that are new to Christianity, wondering what is Christianity, we don't believe that Christianity is a moral religion. God didn't come to make us good. He came to make dead people come alive. He came to reconnect us to God. And we couldn't connect back to him through works, through, through serving the homeless and doing good things. That you and I are separated from God because of sin. And the only way to bridge the gap, if someone perfect dies for us. And Jesus was the sinless one. And he's, in John chapter 14, he's about to go back to heaven. He's about to die on a cross and go. And he's like, guys, I'm going to give you a gift. Look what he says in John chapter 14. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Someone say him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he, someone say he. For he lives with, it, with you and will be with you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I love, this is a foundational text for you and I to understand the Holy Spirit. That when Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit, doesn't say it's a force. Doesn't say it's an it. Doesn't talk about it the way that people do in Star Wars. May the force be with you. You know what I'm talking about? Where everyone has like this experience with the force, but they don't have a relationship with the force. Jesus is describing a person, a him, a he. Which means this person has feelings. This person you can have a relationship with. This means this person can speak to you and you can hear from him. Dare I say, he wants to be your best friend. And, in, and the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. There is this conundrum in Christianity that there are three gods, but they are one. There is one God, but they are in three. And this is why in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man our image. Who is this us that God is talking about? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, some of you that avoid the Holy Spirit, for you, the, the Trinity is God the Son, God the Father, and God the Bible. And you have no relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And I want to change that today. Because one of the words that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit is this word advocate. Someone say advocate. Some translations say helper. It's this Greek word called parakletos, which means one called alongside to help. It's the same word that is used to describe Eve in the book of Genesis. That Eve is not underneath Adam, that she's not less than him, that she is the one called alongside him. It's the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not less than Jesus. He has all the attributes of God, all the characteristics of God, of God all the power of God. 
but he's different than Jesus. The Holy Spirit didn't die on the cross for us. Jesus did that. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to give you strength. I encourage some of you to go read John chapter 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus, for three or four straight chapters, is just bragging, hyping up the Holy Spirit, saying, you need him. And, and, and it's often like we were, we're, we're wondering, like, man, why is Jesus leaving? Why is he going away? Imagine if Steph Curry said, guys, I'm retiring. The Warriors would be a good volleyball team at that point, right? <laughs> they would not be a basketball team. And Jesus is leaving, and the, the Christians are freaking out. Their, their Savior, their, their Messiah is leaving. And they're like, why are you leaving? He's like, it's good if I leave. Because if there's only one of me that can comfort you, there's only one of me that can pray for you, there's only one of me that can lead you, but when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And this advocate, this helper wants to walk life alongside you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to walk with you everywhere you go. He is the helper that you need. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's God. I remember uh, when Pastor Yaz and I were, we're first dating back in 2012. This September will be nine years. And you have to understand, the iPhone was around back in 2012. But you have to remember, FaceTime only worked with Wi-Fi. I remember those days where you had to be on Wi-Fi for FaceTime to work. So imagine, I'm working two jobs. I'm going to school full time. I'm almost never on Wi-Fi because I'm either traveling around or working all day. So when I call Pastor Yasmin, I have to audio call her. All you single people that have FaceTime, that have Google Hangout and Zoom, you have no idea what it is like to do a long-distance relationship. It is demonic how privileged you guys are at this day. You know what I had to do back then? I had to pull up a picture of Pastor Yaz while I'm talking on her phone because I forgot what she looked like. Because I'd only see her once a week. This is what so many Christians look like. You have a picture of God. It's the Word of God. And it explains who He is. And what does God look like? Who is the embodiment of God? It's Jesus. If you want to know what God talks, how does he treat his enemies? How does he treat sinners? How does he deal with people, those who are far from God, whose lives are messy? Look to Jesus and you will see God. And so many Christians, they stop there. They just want God. They just want God the Son and God the Bible. And I'm telling you, Christianity has a FaceTime. The Holy Spirit is FaceTime. He's the one that illuminates the scriptures. He's the one that revitalizes prayer. He's the one that, that brings heaven to earth. God did not go to heaven and leave heaven and die for us on a cross so, so that one day you can go to heaven. He died on a cross to bring heaven down to earth. And he doesn't want to leave you as an orphan. He doesn't want to leave you alone. He died to give you this gift, this gift that's called the parakletos, the helper. You need the Holy Spirit. And he changes everything. He changes prayer. He changes worship. He changes your relationship to other people. It's amazing how many Christians say, I don't want the Holy Spirit. And what you're really saying is, I don't want God. It's, I don't want God. See, there are many relations that you will outgrow. For example, when I, when, I, when I became 20, I would call my mom all the time when I was in college. Like, Mom, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. And then imagine, I, I graduated college. I, I got married. I stopped calling my mom. I outgrew that relationship for counsel. Listen, you will never outgrow the relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's the one person that will never leave you, never forsake you, and you will never outgrow your dependence, your need, and your trust in him. He's the one that makes Christianity come alive. But what does he do? That's the second question. And you got to understand there's so many things I can talk about, so many scriptures that I could give you. 
But I want to remind you of this, though. The primary role of the Holy Spirit is to redeem people. Let me give you some things that the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the Holy Spirit is in creation. How many love sunsets and, 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 and oceans? Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many love Disneyland? Thank you, Holy Spirit. He's the creator. The Holy Spirit, number two, he inspired the scriptures. Second Timothy chapter, says, chapter two says, all, second Timothy chapter four says, all scripture is man-breathed. No, it doesn't say that. It says all scripture is God-breathed. That God wrote the scriptures. Anybody grateful for the scriptures this morning or this evening? Number three, the, the Holy Spirit is in the New Testament. Every miracle that Jesus did was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every miracle that was done by the early church empowered by the Holy Spirit. When we lay hands on people and pray for the sick, it's not me that's healing them. It's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit in me that's healing them. Anybody grateful that this person who is super creative, who wrote the scriptures, who does miracles, he wants to be your friend. And sometimes we avoid him because we don't want to be weird. Come on, let me just be real. Some of you put a pagan tree in your house and tell relatives that a fat German is going to leave gifts for your kids. That's weird. <laughs> that, you don't find that in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is not weird. If you think he's weird, you're weird, bro. Come on. And the fourth thing that the Holy Spirit does is he, the Holy Spirit provides power. The Holy Spirit provides power. But, I, but, when you, but when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, so many Christians, they, they read the scriptures, they read these testimonies, but they never experience this. This is like, imagine growing up in a home where all you watched was black and white TV. And then you go to a friend's house and he has color. Would you ever go back home? You would never want to go back. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He illuminates everything. He makes everything come alive. He's like experiencing God in color. Anybody remember when we had flip phones like 10, 15 years ago? Some of you still live with your parents. You have no idea. But back in the day when cell phones first came out, like 15, 20 years ago, we had flip phones. And then the moment that we got spirit-filled and held an iPhone, we never went back. The most stubborn people in this room are Android users. We're still praying for you guys. But there's this movement in America called the minimalist movement where people are going back to flip phones. Pray for these people. They need Jesus. I'm never going back to a flip phone. Because why? Because once you experience the iPhone, you never want to go back. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He changes everything. He wants to give you power. He wants to lead you and guide you. The same Jesus that was led, that was guided, that was empowered by the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit wants to empower you. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how, how dare we say we don't need him? There are so many things I can talk about that the Holy Spirit provides, but I want to hone in on one thing this morning. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, often when the Holy Spirit provides power, we, because of our brokenness and our flesh, we, what we do is we, we compare our gifts to other people. Like, oh, I got more Holy Spirit than you. I, 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 I'm, I'm, for, I'm more mature than you. And there's this comparison, and it's totally ungodly. Listen, you got to write this thought down. I need you to write this. It needs to go in your spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. I don't need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven. Jesus already did that. I need the Holy Spirit to go to Target, bro. My wife sends me for one thing, and every time I leave with 20, how did this bill go from $10 to 200 Holy Spirit, help me. You need Holy Spirit when you go to Walmart, not to go to heaven. And so many Christians miss out on what God wants to give you. 
And this is the context that we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2 that I read at the beginning. That Jesus has come and he's died. Uh, Jesus died on a Friday, which is what many theologians and, and historians are, is Passover. It's this idea that back in the Old Testament, the, the people of God were rescued by Moses, this deliverer. And there were ten plagues that Egypt had. And the last one, because the, the Egyptian king would not let the people of God go, he said, I want you to kill an innocent lamb. And then put its blood over your doorpost. And everyone who does this by faith, the angel of death will pass over you. And it's a foreshadowing of Jesus that if you've placed your faith over him, death will pass over you. Amen. Anybody grateful for our Passover lamb? And in the past, we had to sacrifice animals after animal. But now we have one sacrifice that takes away all sin. But then what you don't realize is for 40 days, Jesus is on earth, showing people the holes in his hands, eating fish tacos, hanging out with people. And 1 Corinthians 15 says he showed himself to 500 people. He said, guys, I'm leaving. And I'm leaving. I don't want you to do ministry until the Holy Spirit comes. 50 days after Passover is this festival of wheats that many Jews call Pentecost. Anybody ever heard of Pentecost before? You don't have to put your hand up. Many of you are afraid of Pentecost. Let me tell you what Pentecost means. Pentecost is the number 50. You're afraid of 50, really. If you're afraid of 50, we're going to pass an offering bucket. You can drop your 50s in the offering bucket. Listen, it's, your freedom has, is tax deductible here at Center Set. It, there's no reason to be afraid of the number 50. And then Jesus, he leaves, and for 10 days, the 500 who heard about the Holy Spirit were unwilling to wait, and only 120 we're willing to wait for the promise of God. I wonder how many in this room are unwilling to wait for the gift and the promise that God wants to give you. God wants everyone to experience this. Not just the pastors, not just a select few, not just the weird, everyone. And the ten are there and then the Bible says suddenly, someone say suddenly. suddenly like the sound of a violent wind. The room wasn't blowing. Papers weren't shuffling all around. It was the sound of wind. And the Holy Spirit comes, and there's this flame that goes over each person's head, and they all begin to be filled with God's Spirit, and they begin to prophesy. And they go on the streets, and they begin to declare the goodness of God. And people are like, dude, these people are drunk. And Peter's like, bro, it's 9 a.m. We're not at Bill's Cafe having mimosas. We're Christian. And he begins to tell the people who God is. And what's so crazy is they were not speaking another language. The Holy Spirit translated their language. And the other people heard them. Because the, the Jewish festival of wheats, this Pentecost festival, all the Jews from all the different countries would come. So the Jews from Egypt, the Jews from Libya, the Jews from Turkey, the Jews from Rome, and all these different countries, they all left their hometown and came back and celebrated this. And they were all hearing these Jewish men in their language. It's amazing that some of us avoid this thing. This, this paracletos, this helper. I don't know about you, but I need help. I need help in my marriage. I need help at work. I need help at school. I need help as a parent. I can't even imagine doing life without the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful that God didn't just come and then leave and say, peace out, guys. I'll see you when you die. He said, I'm going to leave, and it's better that I do because I'm going to send someone to you. And there are three things about the power of God that I want to put in your spirit this morning. The first one is this, the prerequisite of his power. The prerequisite of his power. Let me read you Acts chapter 1 because this will help explain. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, 
Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up, stood up among the disciples, a group numbering about 120. Did you see the prerequisite? Did you see the condition? That the prerequisite for his power, write this down, is unity. Is unity. That what the Holy Spirit does is he fills people that love one another, that are for one another. What's so crazy is for thousands of years, the Jews, they worship God on Saturday. And then these Jews that became Christians, they worship God on Sunday. Anybody grateful for two-day weekends? You could thank the Jews and the Christians for that because if we all stayed Jews, we'd all have Saturday. We should have another saving at three-day weekends. Come on. But what's crazy is that it's more significant that the worship didn't just change from Saturday to Sunday. That the same way that Adam in the book of Genesis that was dead and the Spirit of God breathed life into him, the church is dead until the Spirit of God breathes life into us. That Jesus, even though he was capable, even though he had the ability and the power to do ministry, he waited until he was 30 years old. He waited until he was filled with the Spirit of God before we did ministry. And the church needs to realize how dare we do ministry until we are filled with the Spirit of God. That we're dead without the Holy Spirit. We have no power without the Holy Spirit. And the prerequisite for all of that is unity. Which is why in John chapter 17, the longest prayer of Jesus in the scripture, the night before he dies, guess what he prays? Unity. God is always long for unity. This is going to trip some of you out. This is not an individual power. This is a communal power. Which means if you don't get along with the person next to you, you don't have to make eye contact. You don't have to be nervous. Come on now. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill people who are filled with unforgiveness. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill people who, who, who have anger and resentment. The Holy Spirit is looking for people who will freely forgive. Who say, I'm going to respect you even if you don't respect me. I'm going to serve and love you even if you don't do those things for me. I'm going to serve. The Holy Spirit fills people whose heart is unified with the people around them. I remember I had to learn this principle uh, 20 years ago when I was in high school. I played baseball from the age of 8 to the way, all the way to the age of 18. And my second to last year was the most competitive team I was on. Three of those guys I played in high school baseball with went on to play D1 baseball. One of the guys actually got drafted by the Giants and almost made it to the He got AAA, threw his arm out. I'm telling you, these guys were amazing. And this coach, he was part of a coach of a traveling team. Dude, this guy would ream us every day after practice. He'd be like, guys, run. Tomorrow, you guys, don't even bring your cleats. Just bring your track shoes. And the next day, because we, we suck so much at that practice, we'd spend the whole day, the next day, just running until someone puked, and then we'd go play baseball again. Every day after practice, he would line us all on the third base foul line and be like, go. We'd run to the fence and back. And the first person that finished was done running. So imagine, if you're the fastest dude on the team, boo, you're done. If you're slow like me, you got 15 other people got to before you finish. And I remember going to my past coach one day. I'm like, coach, what if we all locked arms and we ran to the fence and we all crossed the finish line together? Would you let us go home? He's like, no, I'm making you do it 16 times. I'm like, you're the demon. Get out of my face. <laughs> but what it did is even though he was trying to get us to be stronger in our conditioning, it breeded competition. This guy next to me who used to be my friend, now he's my enemy. Because I want to be done running. And I'm going to save my energy for the first five or six runs, and I'm going to go all out on run seven. And I'm going to try to trip this guy and hope to pray that he falls, because 
I want to stop puking. I want to be done running. And what happened is instead of being my teammate, these people became my enemy. And there was this spirit of competition. And some of you bring that spirit in the church. What allows you to get that promotion at work prevents you from being filled with the spirit in the house of God. What allows you to do well in school by studying, because many college courses, that there's, a, there's a weighted grade average. So only a certain number of people get A's and only a certain number of people get B's. And so you don't share your homework with other people because you want them to fail. Some of you, you're very competitive about growing your Instagram and this spirit where you're against everyone trying to get ahead, that never works in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we lock arms. And it says in Romans chapter 12, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. Who does God fill with this Holy Spirit? Those who have unity with one another. Have you prepared your heart? Do you love the person sitting next to you? Or do you sit on that side of the room because that, that smelly person... They're on the other side. You want to avoid them. Let me tell you right now, that's going to prevent you from being filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing, you got to write this down, is the purpose of his power. So often we think the power is for me. It ain't. The power, let me read you this verse. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power. Someone say power. There was this Swedish chemist who, 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 who created this new ingredient. He didn't know what to call it, so he goes to his best friend who happened to be a New Testament scholar. And he's like, bro, I have this new thing I invented. It's super powerful. Give me a Greek word that's power. And the New Testament scholar went to this word power in Greek. It's dunamos. It's where we get our word dynamite. That's why we call it dynamite because he went to this word dunamos, which describes something of power. You have dynamite in your heart. That's where the word comes from. And the Holy Spirit is not this timid, quiet. He, is, he will radically change your relationship with God if you allow him to come in. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Someone say witnesses. God wants to give you power. Not so you can sing louder. Not so you can pray stronger. So you can share your faith with people that you're afraid to share with. Because you can't do it on your strength. You literally need power. I wrote it this way. The purpose of his power is people. The purpose of his power is people. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. I need the Holy Spirit to share my faith with my spouse, with my friends, with my neighbors. Because I don't have the strength. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the words to do it. I remember when I realized this, it changed my relationship. For the first two years of my Christianity, from 24 to 26, none of my coworkers knew I was Christian. I was a secret agent. And some of you, that's how you are right now. You're surrounded by people who don't even know that you love Jesus. And you don't know how to share your faith. And my, my mindset was, i got to invite my pastor to come here, and he's got to share his faith with everyone, and everyone's going to get saved. And I was totally wrong. Because I don't need my pastor. I have the best evangelist in the world, the best helper, the best counselor, the best, the wisest person in the world, and his name is the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I, I need a relationship with him. You need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I remember I, I would go on these mission trips from, starting from the age of 27. I went to Turkey. I went to Jordan. I went to Mexico twice. Not Cancun. Mexico City. Come on, it's ghetto. And then I went to Iran. And every time I went, I would meet random strangers on the street. And I'd lead them to faith. And the Holy Spirit one time, like, rebuked me in a loving way. He's like, Ali, why do you go on a plane to share your faith? When you don't even go to the next cubicle at work. Why do you go across the country 
when you're not even willing to go across the street. Oh, Allie, the things I'm doing here, you know I can do at home, right? And I remember my relationship with God changed. I said, God, I live in the most unchurched region in the entire country, Silicon Valley. It's not that people don't want God. They, they really don't want God here. And you almost look down on if you're a Christian. I'm like, it's intimidating, God. What do I say? And my relationship with God shifted when I said, God, I need power. God, I need help. And there would be times I can't even explain it. I'd be having dinner late at work one night with my coworkers, and I'd hear the nudge of the Holy Spirit. He said, talk about me. And we'd, we shifted from work to talking about life and what the hope that we have and what do we do and when life gets difficult. And there would be times I didn't say the right things. I didn't say it perfectly. But I said what the Holy Spirit prompted me to say. And all of my coworkers, the last three or four years I was an engineer, they all knew I was a Christian. And they all heard the gospel. Did they accept? That's not my job to save people. My job is to be a witness. Amen? And so many of you, your fear of being filled with the Holy Spirit is because you think you've got to pray in tongues. Let's just be real. That, that, and this feeling of power has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit giving you a prayer like this. It is. But, but the purpose, the purpose of his power is for other people. It's not for your personal edification. In the book of Acts, when the disciples begin to be filled with the Spirit, they're not praying a personal prayer language. There are two prayer languages. One is for other people. One is for yourself. One other people understand. One only God himself understands. And when the disciples are filled, they go out in the street. These are Jewish men saying Jewish things. And other people from other languages hear what they're saying. And three of the eight languages are Persian. Because once you go Persian, there's no better version. Come on, even the Bible knows this. And these people hear the, the things of God. And even Jesus himself, when he was baptized in Luke chapter 4, in Matthew chapter 4, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is filled and he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. The, the Gospel of John says he's filled without measure of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus does not pray in tongues. Because the purpose of the power is to be a witness. And as soon as Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what he does? He goes to church, grabs the scroll of Isaiah and says, the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach to preach. There are so many times in my life where I've been afraid to share my faith. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the boldness. I don't have the courage. I don't even have the words. But the Holy Spirit gives me power to do it. And every once in a while, someone will come to our church from one of those extreme churches. And like, I don't even hear you guys praying in tongues. Are you guys even filled with the Holy Spirit? You guys look fresh. You cut your hair. The, the girls glue their eyelashes on. You guys look good. But I don't even know if the Holy Spirit's here. And I would 100% disagree with you. Because the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to redeem people. We've seen 207 receive Christ in this church. There is definitely evidence that the Holy Spirit is changing people, converting people, transforming people from, not from bad to good, but from dead to life. Amen? There is evidence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because people in the church share their faith. People in the church who are timid and shy are sharing boldly and with power. Amen? The prerequisite, though, for this power is unity. The purpose of this power is people. And number three, write this down, the proof of his power. What is the proof of his power? Because that first church I went to, that Southern Baptist church where the pastor said, avoid the Holy Spirit, those people are weird. I was there for about a year and a half, didn't know what I was doing, and then I went to a different church. I went to a, a very Pentecostal church. Love it. Still have a relationship with that pastor. And the pastor said, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ali. I'm like, why? Because he's like, this is the promise of the scripture. But they taught me the proof that I have the Holy Spirit is that I pray in tongues. 
and that's not the proof of the, that you have the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the benefit of having the Holy Spirit, but it's not the proof. See, some of you need to understand there's a prerequisite for this power. It's unity among people. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Is there someone in your life that you need to ask for forgiveness? Is there someone in your life that you have bitterness towards? That you, that you want them to fall on their face? That's holding you back from being filled. But remember, the purpose of this power is not for you. It's for the benefit of other people. But what's the proof? How do we know you have the Holy Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's crazy. My wife and I, we are both, we both have the gift of tongues. And she prays in tongues every day. I, I, me, it's like every other day. Pray for me. We love the Holy Spirit. We love this relationship with God. But what's the point of believing in prophecy? What's the point of having the gift of tongues if you don't have love? 1 Corinthians 13 says, who cares if you can move mountains, but you don't have love, you're nothing. If you can understand all the mysteries of God, and you can prophesy, and you're just a sounding gong, a clanging cymbal without love. Gifts are not the proof. Character is. The proof of the power is the fruit. Do you look like Jesus? It's not yabba dabba do. Even though I love that gift, even though that gift has changed my life, even though my faith, my walk with God is completely different because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, because of the gift of tongues. And I think every person in this room should ask God for that gift. Why? Because in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I, I long for everyone to have this gift. That's not Paul, by the way. That's the Spirit of God who inspired the Scriptures. That's God's longing for you, that He wants you to have this gift. How do I get it? Desire it. The book of Matthew says that your father, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask? Your father longs to give you this gift. But that's not evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. Can you say no to porn? Can you put the alcohol away? When your kid asks for ice cream 50 times for dinner, do you blow up or do you have patience? When people are rude to you on the road and you wish you had a shotgun, I'm just venting here. Do you still act in kindness? The evidence that you are filled with the Spirit of God is not that you sing really loud and you jump up and down in church, but that you have character. Too many Christians are awesome on Sunday and then when Monday comes, they're a demon. It's not evidence. Listen, too many times we confuse the gifting of God with the character of God. I hear all the time, oh my gosh, Pastor Ali, that was such an anointed sermon. You have no idea who I am. You don't know if I'm a demon off stage. I'm not, by the way. But don't confuse the charismatic gifts from the stage with character. Who I am off stage matches who I am on stage. That's what matters. That every day I'm not sounding more like Jesus, I'm looking and loving and being patient more like Jesus. You know how I know you're spirit-filled? Your marriage is changing. 
You know how I know you're being spirit-filled? People around you are like, man, this person's different. He listens. He's teachable. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. It's not about the gifts. It's about the character. And Jesus, there are four things that are in our full four Gospels. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to give you this gift. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We, in this church, we believe in three baptisms. That the Holy Spirit will baptize you in the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. That no one can say that Jesus is God except by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit will literally baptize you in the body of Christ. The second baptism is where a believer will baptize you in water. And the third baptism, John, the apostle. John the Baptist said it, and Jesus said it himself, and it's the only thing other than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in all four Gospels. That Jesus, the subject is different, by the way. The, the grammar is different. Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, after Jesus died and resurrected, right before he leaves, John 20, verse 22, go read it. He breathed on his disciples the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. But he still says, don't leave Jerusalem until you get the promise. You need the parakletos. You need the power of God. I don't just need the power of God to go to heaven. I need the power of God in my marriage. I need it for my faith. I need it to parent. I need it on the highway. I need it in Target. I can't even imagine going back to a world that's black and white. Going back to a faith that's a flip phone. The Holy Spirit's FaceTime. He's color. You need him. For some of you today, you, you never knew this before, that God would send his son Jesus to die for you on a cross. And he didn't leave you as an orphan. It's even better than that. When he left, he sent his Holy Spirit so that you could be filled, so that you could be comforted, so that you could be led. But even if your parents don't love you and support you, God's got your back. And he's going to be a father to the fatherless. Even if your wife leaves you, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, never will. There is no sin that you can commit that God will take this gift away. Neither death nor life, nothing will separate us from the love of God. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes. God, I pray for this church. God, I pray for the people in this room that are hearing about the Holy Spirit. Some of them, God, they came from a church where it was extreme avoidance. We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. We didn't pursue the Holy Spirit. We didn't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And we saw from the scriptures, God, that we need this helper. We need this advocate. We need a relationship because he's a person. There are others in this room, God, that we came from a church that we didn't even talk about you, Jesus. We just talked about the Holy Spirit day and night. Thank you, God, that I get to pray to you, Father, through Jesus, by the power of of the Holy Spirit. There's some of you in this room, I just sense it, that God's been tugging on your heart, and you're a Christian, but you don't have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. He wants to be your best friend. He's a person, and he wants to talk to you, and he longs for you to talk to him. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you this morning, would you just stick it up and say, I want, I want to start a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian, but I've avoided him. I, I've never spoken to him. I want him to speak to me. Amen. I see your hand over here. Just pray this prayer. Put your hand down. Holy Spirit, thank you. 
Holy Spirit, that you're already within me. I just want to receive you, Holy Spirit. I want to learn to hear your voice, Holy Spirit. I want to learn to live my life that doesn't grieve you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you guide me? Would you comfort me? Would you give me strength and power, not for my sake, but so I can be a witness for you? And there are some of you in this room. We got to go to step one. You got to become a Christian. God wants to give you this gift, and it's free. But it begins when you place your faith in Jesus. If that's you this morning, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, with every eye closed and every head bowed, the gospel is good news, that God sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross, that you don't need to do anything to be brought back into the house of God. Jesus did all the work. The work of a Christian is to simply believe in Jesus. If that's you, and you want to start a relationship with God, Jesus today, with every eye closed, every eye bowed, would you just raise your hand and say, I want, to, I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. I want to give him my life. I want to pray to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Just pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven as God, that you died on a cross for my sin. You were sinless. You were perfect. God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, even though I didn't deserve it. Thank you, Jesus, that you knew every foolish, every sinful thing that I ever did, and you still died for me. I want to receive your gift of salvation by placing my faith in you, God. I, beloved, I believe you, God. Thank you, God, for dying for me. Would you fill me now with your Holy Spirit, your paracletos, your helper. You're sitting at the right hand of the Father, Jesus. But you sent a helper to, to be with me today and every day of my life. And everybody said... Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.